0: Underline this. Write down this. How many are bringing your Bibles and you're taking notes? A handful. I'm just going to speak the truth right now. I'm not saying this because I'm teaching you because I'm not the greatest teacher. But I believe there's some incredible truth that's been getting laid down for some months that if you're taking notes and highlighting and circling in your Bible, you are going to keep and gain understanding. How many think that's a good thing in this day and age? Amen. So... I don't know why you come, but I've always come to the house of the Lord to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, to gather together with my, my friends and family and loved ones, declare Jesus as king, and to grow. Amen? So if you're wanting to grow, I, I would bring your Bible to church. Like, this isn't like a bring your Bible to church day, like once in a while. This is like bring your Bible to church life. Amen? And some of you have your phones. That's awesome because you can highlight stuff on your phone. You can but you can't really, maybe you can, some of you guys that are way past me, I can like tap on the word or highlight a section or like highlight these verses, but you might not have that ability someday. That's right. You might have this. Right. This will never fail you. Now, these are a lot harder to hide. But I like an old school Bible. Now, I love technology and I've got a couple screens in my office and. I pull up computer things and I've got the Bible on my phone. But this right here, I can color it, highlight it, circle it, write notes in it, and it's always there. Amen? Amen. 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 So, if you have your Bible, turn to me, Revelation chapter 6. We finally got there. And we've been going through the Bible, going through Revelation, and we just witnessed Jesus in the throne. The Father was getting all the worship in chapter 4. And then, chapter 5, Jesus is getting the worship, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world the line of the tribe of Judah, and now he is standing ready to redeem and starts opening the seals. Amen. Now, heads up, we're going to really spend most of our time in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 today. This is probably one of the most confusing, controversial passages where a lot of people can go off sideways, and what I feel and see, if we don't look at that properly. So, but first, Revelation chapter 6. Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. I don't know if that was like thunder, but, and I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse fiery red went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it, take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius. And three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. Now, just something to think about. We'll be looking at this later on down the road. You see there's one there, Death and Hades, or Hail, followed with him. That's plural. That's more than one. We'll get to that later. And power was given to them, plural, over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by beasts of the earth. That is not good. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood? "...on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men and the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, that sounds like everybody, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks on the mountain. And what do all these people say? And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us! And hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of, New King James says, his wrath, um, a lot of other translations, and this word also means their wrath has come who is able to stand. Who is able to stand? Now, we're not going to get into a lot of this, but I just want you to see those martyrs, they cry out, there's martyrs happening, they were given White robes. Remember the white robes? The stole? Different white clothing than the who? 24 elders. They were given white raiment. Where's the 24 elders? In the throne room. Kind of funny, the 24 elders tell John and explain things to John that are going on in heaven. The living creatures are always explaining what's going on on the earth. Different clothing. They're waiting until the full number comes in. Now, these people that are every person else on the earth are crying out. Every free man hid themselves. They're all crying out and hiding themselves in rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. I tell you what, as a believer, I would not be crying out, hide me from the face of God. I'm looking forward to get into the face of God. I'm praying, Lord, (laughs) I'm ready. Like, are you ready? Apparently he's not ready, but I feel like I'm ready. So we must have more work to do. We must have some things to accomplish, amen? So, this is where my position, biblically, I see that in verse 17, or in 16, it says, And to the mountains and rocks fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. What chapter are we in? Chapter 6, Revelation. What is going on in Revelation chapter 6? The seals are being opened. What are what are this? What is happening? It's the wrath of the Lamb, and it goes on and says, and the wrath, and for the great day of their wrath or His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Some people will say the wrath doesn't start till the middle of the tribulation, or doesn't start till the bowls of wrath are opened. That is called great tribulation. Jesus specifies that as great tribulation. Tribulation starts. There's a seven and a half year period or seven year period. Split it by three and a halves. The last three and a half is great tribulation. This right here tells us it's wrath. And from who? Wrath of the Lamb. So when does the wrath start? Looks like when these seals start opening up. Okay, I'm not having to take any leaps there. This is what this is saying. This is their wrath. And who's there? The Trinity. Jesus the wrath of the Lamb, and for the great day of their wrath. Who is able to stand there? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, there's wrath. Okay, there's some awesome things that happen, and in these seals, there's signs. We're seeing signs that Matthew speaks of and Luke speaks of. Pretty cool stuff. Could you put the slide up? I'm so, I am not following my notes in order whatsoever. Um, today, I mean, it's so messed up. It's not, it's, I'm messed up. I put it together, and I believe all the information is from the Lord. He just wants me to deliver it a little differently. How's that? Um, here's a group of signs. These are all what is what I just read in Revelation 6. Now, we're going to see these same signs in Matthew 24, 4 and 5, and in Luke 21, 4. There's false Christ. That first one on a horse comes on a white horse. That's looked at. Yeah, take your phones, take pictures if you like. Um, That white horse is a false, false prophet, Antichrist. He's coming as a false Christ. He's in white. A lot of commentators, well, not a lot, some commentaries say, well, that's Jesus. He's so good that even commentaries are going like, oh, that's Jesus, if commentators right now are misplacing him as Jesus, I will guarantee you people on this earth when Antichrist comes are going to mistake him as Christ. He's going to do signs and wonders and have power. And people are going to go, "Oh, it's Jesus." Now, we're going to get into this more next week, but this man on the white horse, this thing on the white horse is not Jesus. He has a crown, he's been given a power to be victorious, but he has a bow. What is Jesus's weapon? sword this bow doesn't have arrows it's very interesting so i don't i don't believe when he first comes on the scene and conquers he's having to militarily fire a bunch of arrows away he's just coming and and causing everyone to worship him and and gather everyone together that's that's thus saith steve i don't see arrows in there but i cool thing as i was studying this and seeing the bow what does paul tell us to equip ourselves in the armor of god what is the shield of faith quench Fiery darts, otherwise known as arrows. This Antichrist is carrying a bow. What a bow shoot? Okay, that was for free. Aren't you glad we have equipment for that? Yeah. Amen. All right. Something I want to see. We're going to look at these signs. Jesus called these in Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows. There's also, it's not under there. I didn't put that under there. Um, I took this from Chuck Misler. He's a pretty sharp guy. Um, underneath that, you could have cosmic signs. And there's cosmic signs in all of those books too. But we're not there, so we're not, we're not at the cosmic sign part, so I'm not going there. We're at the, what Matthew, in, in Matthew's gospel is called the beginning of sorrows is what Jesus said. These signs are the beginning of sorrows. Now, cool, fun little thing is that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says these those signs were the beginning of sorrows and then says, after these signs. Then. Then. So in Matthew's gospel, these signs, the rest of, the, of Matthew comes after these signs. After that. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, he's speaking before these signs. Now in our Bibles, and... and what am I going to do next? Who knows? Um, in our Bibles... People have always wanted to, and, and, and it is good to harmonize the Bible. It is good to harmonize the Gospels. But in our harmonization at times, we put things together that aren't supposed to be together. And most commentators put Luke 21, Mark 13, and Matthew 24 all together as one event. And I'm, I'm going to show you today, I do not believe that is true. And I think where a lot of misunderstanding and misinterpretation of Scripture comes is because we want to harmonize everything. And what we're going to do is called resolving power. What that, very, that sounds like and what it means is that when you take a telescope and you're looking at a star, if you look at it in natural, then you take binoculars, you can see a little bit more. It brings it closer. You take a telescope, it brings it even closer. Or a microscope. You can see, like, spit, and then you get a microscope and you see a bunch of stuff running around and moving, Right? It looks a little differently. It's resolving power. So, we're going to examine Luke 21, Matthew 24. Why why I'm not throwing Mark in there is because Mark and and Matthew's account are very, those you could say are harmonized. Those are the same event. These are two different events, in my humble opinion. I'm not going to, I'm going to show you what the Bible says. We're going to resolve these and look at them very close and see, because there is some similarities, and people, because they're similarities, we go, oh, they're the same thing. When we resolve them and we get up close, you're going to see these are not the same thing. Not because I said so. And you don't have to agree with me. It's totally okay if you don't. I won't even say you have a right to be wrong, okay? <laughs> I'm going to show you some things, and then you make your opinion on that. And, and you see, and hopefully I can explain this to where it's clear as mud. How's that? How many are familiar with Matthew 24? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Um, Something I want you to see. Just some fun little facts. Matthew is written between 60 and 65 AD. Who did Matthew write his letter to? Good answer. To Jews. Predominantly Jewish. Matthew's a Jew. He's writing to Jews. And you see that all through his gospel. Luke is who? Luke's written to Gentiles. Luke's written AD 60. He says he writes to Theophilus, who some think he was... Um, a, a, like a magistrate in the Roman Empire. Some think that he was like Paul's attorney. I don't know, um, but we know he's Gentile. We know that he wrote Luke. He wrote um, Acts. He, both of those letters are most excellent Theophilus. That term most excellent is the same term that Paul uses for Felix, most excellent Felix. Felix was a high-ranking official in the Roman government. So that that is written Gentile, more Gentile focused, Matthew is more Jewish focused. And we'll see that in these letters. That's just fun facts. By the way, written AD 60, AD 60 to 65, Matthew and Luke. Revelation's written AD 90. Okay, about 30 years, 25, 30 years after that. You're going, why does that? You'll see here in a little bit. Now, in both accounts, Jesus responds to the disciples. But in Matthew's account, and we get a little more detail in in, um, Mark's account. Mark actually says that it says in Matthew's that his disciples came privately. In Luke's account, he's in the temple publicly. A little little bit of difference in resolving power. Mark tells us that actually it's it's more private than just his disciples, that it's Peter, James, and John. Now, we know in Jesus' circle, now this is where we can have a little hope. Jesus is human. Jesus has inner circle. He had an inner circle of his disciples. Then he had his twelve disciples, another circle, and then he had the seventy, another circle, and then he had the multitudes. So, as Christians and as a pastor, it's okay. I'm just showing you biblically, some people go, "Well, you know, you're a little closer to these guys," or blah 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 blah. blah. I'm following with Jesus. It's just the way we're built, is it not? We, we have circles. We have circles. Sometimes you're in that little inner, and people say, oh, the church, this church's got a click. Now, clicks aren't good. All I'm saying is that every single one of us, if we look, we have a circle that's small that you could really share all of your dirt with. You have a larger circle, and your circles get larger. Inner circle, Jesus is speaking in Matthew 24. That's what, Matt, that's what uh, Mark tells us. Jesus answers in Matthew 24 their questions privately. Luke 21 answers publicly. And they're in the temple in Luke 21. Matthew 24, they are on the Mount of Olivet. Two different locations. Jesus would go in the temple. We see at the end of uh, 21 of Luke, Jesus would teach in the temple in the morning. In the evening, he would go on the Mount of Olivet. That's what he normally did. So in Matthew's discourse, he's teaching his inner circle up on the mountain of Olivet. Luke's account, he is teaching in the temple. Two different places, two different times. And we're going to see how different they are as we go. Are you guys following me so far? Yeah. Okay. They began to question him in an, attempt to harm, in an attempt to harmonize the gospels. We think that they're the same teachings, but I don't believe they are the same teachings. Jesus was teaching in the temple crowds in the morning. And in the evening on Mount, in Mount Olive in, in Matthew 24. The disciples came privately. Luke is speaking publicly in the temple to the church. The main emphasis Jesus speaks of is the desolation in the temple in AD 70. The main focus in Luke's account, and we're going to read them both, so, is the focus of the destruction of the temple that happened in AD 70. Matthew 24's focus. It's not speaking, and people say, oh, it's the same thing. It's the same event. I'm going to show you. It's not the same event. Matthew's focus is speaking of a destruction of a temple and uses the abomination of desolation as the main focus of when the abomination of desolation happens. Luke's account, there is no mention of an abomination of desolation. Isn't that interesting? No mention of it. The mention, the main focus is when, Luke says, when you see the armies surround Jerusalem. Then, no, it's time to go. Matthew 24 doesn't say nothing about when you see the surrounding of the armies. Matthew 24 says, when you see the abomination of desolation set up in the most holy place. That same thing that was spoken by Daniel and the same thing that's spoken in Jeremiah. Now, Matthew's Jewish, is he not? He's speaking to Jews, telling those Jews, hey, when you see those things, was Jesus aware of two events? The church listened to Jesus, and in AD 70, they left Jerusalem before it was des- before it was destroyed. There's two desolations. Desolation, I saw called desolation number one, happened in the first generation of the church. Desolation number two, Matthew 24, is going to be the last generation of the church. Matthew 24 is written to who? Okay, what's the sign to the Jews? Abomination of desolation in Matthew's gospel. What's the sign to the church in Luke's gospel? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies. No. Is Luke speaking of eighty seventy? 70? Absolutely, 100%. Matthew 24 is not speaking of that. We're going we're to read them and really resolve and look at those things. The main emphasis in Matthew 24 is tribulation and the second coming of Christ. Once again, as as we start reading these, Matthew's gospel, all these same signs, beginning of sorrows, Matthew says, then after, all this stuff's going to happen. Luke's account, Jesus' same signs, says, before these things, The army's going to come and surround? Whoa, that's a lot different, is it not? Okay, are you taking my word for it, or should we read? Let's read. Where would you like to start, your choice, Luke or Matthew? Matthew, cool, we'll go to Matthew. So you can't say I'm leading you completely in a direction, even though I am pointing you in a direction. How many think that's probably a good thing? How many of you have learned more than you ever learned already between Luke 21 and Matthew 24? I, listen, you need to hear me. I'm not going like superior. I've always been confused by those two, too. I've read them. I'm like, what the heck? Resolving power goes, oh. And I would say at any time you have a question scripturally, don't just go like, oh, I don't know. Begin to dig and search and resolve it and, and look at every single word and compare that. Amen? All right. Can you turn these ones up a little bit more, Richard? Because. And then I looked at them, which was dumb. Okay. Matthew 24. Now remember, Matthew 23, he just laments, is like, how often, Jerusalem, I wanted you to come and I would cover you and protect you. Remember? Don't take my word for it. You can read behind there. But here we go. Matthew 24. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. From where? Jesus departed from the temple. In Luke's account, he's in the temple. Departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, where on the Mount of Olives, the disciples, who the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Three things he says and of the end of the age. Jesus answered to them and said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. That was Revelation 6, 1 and 2. And will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that no one has, no one not troubles you. That's Revelation 6, 3 and 4. See that that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Revelation 5 and 6. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Listen to what Jesus said. All these are the beginning of sorrows. These signs in Luke, these are the beginning of sorrows. What's the next word? Then. Then they will deliver you up. So these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they're going to deliver you. That's after the beginning of sorrows. You see that? That's different. Luke says before. They will deliver you up to what? Tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And that's Revelation 9 or 6. I can't read my writing. 6, 9 through 11, the martyrs. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Boy, can we see that coming? But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now watch. Therefore. Therefore what? What we just read. Now Jesus is going to speak of tribulation. Therefore, when you see. Here's his main sign in Matthew 24. When you see what? The abomination of desolation. What does when you see mean? It means it hadn't happened yet. Right? Future event. So, Future event, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet. So we know Daniel wrote the book and that he's a prophet because Jesus endorsed it. Anyone that has questions about that, you're silly. Who wrote the book? Or was Daniel really a prophet? Yes, Jesus said he was. (laughs) He says, this is the sign. When you see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads... Let him understand. Who's he writing to? Whoever reads, let them understand. Oh, yeah. In, in Daniel's book, did he say, Daniel, this is for your people and your holy city? Is that not what we read? We just did that last week. Daniel, talking about the, sev- the seven weeks, to the find the last seven weeks or the 70 weeks was for his people. Whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in where? Judea. Let those who are in where? Judea. Flee to the mountains. After what? After what? When are they to leave and flee to the mountains? After the abomination of desolation. You go, okay, what is that? That's when the Antichrist takes his position in the temple and demands worship according to Daniel. If you read Daniel 7, Daniel 9, Daniel 11 and 12... He demands to be worshipped in the temple. That is what the final abomination of desolation is. He abominates the temple. He wants worship for himself. Does that sound like the Antichrist to you? So those who are in Judea, then, which is after, after that happens, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house. None of this is in Luke's account. Because Luke isn't talking to Jews, and Luke isn't talking of this event. Anyone who's come down to the house, he says, don't... He's saying, if you, no matter what's going on, when that happens, when the abomination, when the, when the Antichrist... Get the heck out. Stop what you're doing, leave what you're doing, get gone. Anything out of the house. and says, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on, what? The Sabbath. For then there will be, what? Great tribulation. That's not mentioned in Luke's account. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it really is two different events. Because that's kind of a big deal, don't you think? Abomination of desolation, the sign. Your sign would be Antichrist establishing himself in the temple. Then there's going to be great tribulation. Jesus doesn't say that in Luke. Two different events. For then there will be great tribulation. Such has not been since, the same writing in Daniel, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Those little things aren't in Luke. Verse 22. Unless, this is Daniel 12, says this. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So Jesus is saying exactly what Daniel said. Unless the days were shortened, it's going to get so jacked up and there's going to be so much destruction, I'm going to have to shorten the days because the earth couldn't stand it. Now, this tells you when could this happen. In this day and age, could that happen? Do we have the nuclear capability to wipe this earth over and over and destroy it? Yes. Did they have that 100 years ago? No. Do you think we're in the last... And we're going to go, believe me, after all this, we're going to go over a bunch of the signs of what day we're in. It says, then, then again, after, if anyone says to you, Look, here's the Christ, or there. Do not believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. But wherever the carcasses is, there the eagles will, will be gathered together. And I don't know what that means. I don't have no clue. Some people say, oh, these means the buzzards. No. No, he doesn't use the word for buzzards. Eagles. Don't know. Tell me. Somebody study it. <laughs> Next section. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. You guys all tracking with me? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, not AD 70, how do I know it's not AD 70? Because someone's going to have to tell me when this happened in AD 70. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's the cosmic signs. Then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes on the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds of the earth from one end of heaven to the other. That's happening in Revelation 19. No mention of that. I don't see anything historically. You don't see nothing in Josephus' writings of the days the sun was darkened and the moon didn't give its light. The stars fell from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then the tribes of the earth will mourn. I'm going to go in and show you some different thoughts on this here in a little bit. Verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree. Now here is where a lot of people will take Israel and and could be Israel rises up as a new nation. However, Luke's account says it a little differently. He doesn't say just parable from the fig tree. He says when the fig tree and nations. So a lot of people have built the timing of when Jesus is going to come back and you take a generation from when Israel came up, and 38 years later, that's where you had 1988. Jesus is coming back, and they're like, "Oh shoot, well we messed up. We messed up. It's actually going to be 89 because we didn't think about well. It's actually when when Jerusalem was established. No, he didn't come back then. So we can know like if you're trying to make this parable of the fig tree as a timestamp of when Jesus is coming back, you done messed up. My humble opinion. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. Is there something to learn? Yes. He says, like, guess what? When you, know it, when you can see it's springtime, there's probably going to be some fruit coming. Right? So now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer's near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Well, what's this saying? Well, these signs, tribulation, Jesus returning, that generation's not going to pass away. That's what I think. I could be wrong. Here's what we know for sure. I am not wrong in this. Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But he says, you should be able to see some signs. You should be able to tell by the seasons. Cool thing is, is all the signs are for the second coming of Christ. <clears throat> There's no signs really for for the rapture. It's imminent. It could happen at any moment. For it, for as in the days before the before where am I? At? Let's go up to thirty-seven. But as of the days of Noah, <clears throat> we're so also. "...will the coming of the Son of Man be? For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour." Wow, that sounds like what I just said. "...your Lord is coming." But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. (laughs) Kind of funny. Now, we always see this as, or King James would say, good men. So we think, oh, that's the good guy. It's not what this says. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come. I think Jesus is getting to having a little joke right here with us all and saying, "Um, I'm the thief. The master of the house. Does does Satan have power on this earth? Was he given power and authority on this earth? Yeah. He says, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Is God's house getting broken into or is Satan's house getting destroyed? Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is faithful and wise servant from his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of. And will cut him in two and appoint him as portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 24's account. <clears throat> now, before we go into Luke's, or shoot, I don't know. Should we just go straight into Luke? What do you guys want to do? Why not? I don't know what I'm going to do with those notes when I get back, though. Have fun with that. Before I read, man, I'm reading and talking a heck of a lot more than normal, apparently. Why am I named Ezekiel? I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, so Luke's account really starts in verse 5. If you want, we can read the first four verses, but it doesn't. Oh, why not? Might as well read the whole chapter. 21, this is happening. Actually, if you go all the way in the beginning of, oh, 19 or 20, um, you see Jesus is, he's been in the temple for a while teaching and preaching. But 21, it says, he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. So you can see there in the temple, she threw her her, uh, denarii or penny into the trumpets that made a lot of noise. And Jenny stopped, Jesus stopped the whole show and said, hey, did you see that? She gave more than anyone else because she gave not from abundance, but from her lack, she gave everything. So continuing on, then as some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and, do- and, and donations, he said. Now, do you think, now I'll tell you that that temple was glorious, was beautiful. They had to go there a lot of times and just be in awe. Like I went to a, a church in Montana, this Catholic church. It was beautiful. Or, I mean, stained glass, murals everywhere. Beautiful. I would just go and just be. So this probably happened quite a bit. Not not saying like this is, not trying to make more out of that. I'm just saying like I relate to that. So it says there are beautiful stones and, and donations. He said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him saying, no mention. Watch this. Jesus doesn't say any mention of abomination of desolation. They ask him, so they ask him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? What's the sign? And he said, Take heed that no one, that you not be deceived. How many think we ought to pay real close attention when Jesus says, Take heed so that you're not deceived? Because he's probably telling us there's a high chance that you're going to be deceived. What do you think? Take heed. Maybe you need to look really close at what I'm about to tell you. What do you think? Could that fit? He says, Take heed that you're not deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. You need to just highlight and circle this. But before all these things... Same signs. Remember that list I showed you? Luke's signs. Jesus said they're the beginning of sorrows. Revelation signs. Jesus says in Luke, but before all these things. Okay, so that means what he's about to say is going to happen before those things. Are you following me? I hope so. But before these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Did that happen to the church? Yes, it did. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Oh, did that happen? Did the gospel get spread like crazy? Yes. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your soul. But when you see. Okay, here we go. Circle that. Remember, Matthew 24. But when you see what? Matthew 24. Matthew 24 abomination of desolation. Jesus says here, but when you see before the signs Jerusalem surrounded by armies, Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. I humbly submit to you, Jesus is talking of two different desolations. One desolation in Luke's account, 8070. Matthew 24, desolation of the temple after us. Do you see there's a difference before these things? Same signs in both accounts. Before these things, after in Matthew's account, two different signs when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Now, did that happen? Yes, yes just like Jesus said, eighty seventy. Then those, it says, surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in where? Judea, flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country, or county, country, enter her. For those are the days of vengeance. Doesn't say nothing about being on your rooftop. Doesn't say nothing about Sabbath. Doesn't say nothing about abomination of desolation. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. What was written? That it was a time of Jacob's Sorrow? Yeah? Is it a time of Jacob's sorrow and tribulation? Yes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land. Just says great distress, doesn't say great tribulation in the land and wrath upon his people, of this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Doesn't say nothing about that in Matthew 24. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Doesn't say nothing about that in Matthew 24. Or you could say until the second coming of Christ. Or you could say until Israel, repentant, welcomes their Messiah could also say that now what's this is a very interesting part in Matthew's account you see talk of a tribulation Luke's account you go from the destruction of Jerusalem AD 70 straight to the coming of the son of man second coming is anyone following me yet who's Luke writing to Gentile specific Gentile church What doesn't he talk about? Tribulation. You're going to see a big gap right here. He goes from 70 A.D. straight to and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth. Distress of nations. This is the cosmic signs that right after this, the second Jesus returns. You guys should be getting a lot more excited about that. This is just a whole other thing that's kind of been following in line with what I've been studying and reading. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Men's hearts failing them from fear. Remember Jeremiah 30, when he said this is the time of Jacob's sorrows. He says, why are you men with your hands on your sides like pregnant women? Remember? And the expectations of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head, because your redemption draws near. Redemption. Redemption is Jesus the Redeemer. That's that's the that's the a re, a releasing affected by payment of ransom. That's what redeem that redemption means. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. You see that. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. It's a little different than Matthew 24, isn't it? Do you see this? Do you see that jump? 80, 70, all the way into second coming. That's a pretty big jump. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now this one what he says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on those who dwell where? On the face of the earth. There's that earth dwellers. Remember in Revelation, he says earth dwellers will what? Be in tribulation. Earth dwellers. The church isn't earth dwellers. The church, our tent stakes aren't in the earth. We're pilgrims or foreigners just passing through. Is that not what the church is supposed to be? Earth dwellers in Revelation are, they're not the godly. They're not the righteous. They're those who are feeding off of this earth and, and, and everything's about them here on this earth. If we're, if we're going to use the same words that are used in Revelation. He says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts are weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray. Ooh, this is good. Always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Wow. Who would he tell to be careful, watch, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will soon come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man? Gentile church. And in the daytime he was teaching. Where? And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple. But at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the mornings, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So now you can see, I didn't just make that up about when Jesus came and taught in the temple. Do you think the Holy Spirit is so awesome that all the information needed in these two different texts gives us the whole difference to see like Matthew 24 on Mount Olivet in the evening, privately. Luke's account in the temple, publicly. You guys following me? Okay. I want to, sh- I got to find it. Who knows where it's at? Well, that's page five. Here we go. Luke 21 20 and 24, what we just just read. But when, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, here's straight-up history. Josephus writes about this time, and he wrote that Christians living in and near Jerusalem listened to this warning and left several years before the destruction of the city in A.D. 70. When the church saw the Roman legions marching towards Judea, instead of joining the Jewish revolt, now the Jews revolted against Rome. They, They didn't listen to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Is that not what we found, that the Jewish people didn't listen to Jesus as being their Messiah? He didn't listen to their teaching. Who did? The church. The church. Oh, yeah. Remember, Jesus told them, when you see the Roman army starting to come, and do you know the armies don't move like they do today? There was message, hey, they're starting to come. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, guys, we better get out of here. Guess what they did? The Roman legions marching towards Judea instead of joining. They didn't join the Jewish revolt. They fled to the mountains in the region beyond the Jordan River. And many eventually settled in Pella, where they built a Christian community. That happened. That happened. That tells me and shows me that exactly what they were paying attention. Who was listening to that Luke 21 discourse? The Gentile church. They listened to it. It was aimed at them. Now, the Jews could have listened to it, too, and they could have bounced and not been persecuted. But they stuck around. Now, Matthew 24 is written to Jews, and it says after these signs. You follow me? Another fun little thing is is the, the letters to the churches. The letters to the churches were written in A.D. 90. After A.D. 70. There's some cool stuff that happens <laughs> when you read these letters. I want to I read something to you. I'm so far out of This is, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about um, eschatology. There's some different camps. millennial. there's two different types of eschatology. millennialism, or it means no millennium, and there's a camp under that is pre-terrorism or preterism. Now, you don't have to be both. They don't both agree. On the other side, so if you have a graph, you're over here. This is all millennial. There's no millennium and preterism. And then over here, you have premillennial or futurist, premillennial. You believe there's going to be a millennium. It hasn't happened yet. That's where I land. Now, in that landing camp, you've got pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. All believe there's a thousand-year millennium to come. Now, how you land there is determined by your hermeneutics, which is basically how you interpret Scripture. If you have a strong hermeneutic, it means you take Scripture very literally, word for word, line upon line, precept upon precept. If you have a softer hermeneutic, then you're more allegorical. It's, the prophecy is not, well, it's not really, it's kind of allegorical, it can, can be poetic, and preterism basically believes that all the prophecy and there's two different camps in preterism. Some believe that all the prophecies have already been fulfilled, already happened. And then there's some that say not all of it, but most of it happened, um, AD 70, and the abomination of desolation already happened. So you have these two different sides. Now I want to give you a little history on that. A lot of people people out of the pre-wrath camp or will say the pre-trib stuff never, like that was a very late thing, which isn't true. Um, I showed you guys a couple different times, all the different um, pre-trib writings that happened, especially for one, Paul. (laughs) You go from Paul into many others for about three centuries. Then there's a big gap, all the way till about 1800s. And I find this pretty interesting, is that around that time, Augustine had a very allegorical point of view and taught amillennialism. And when the church became a state church, hear me church, When the church became a state church. Now, there's a church that that happened to that was spoken into uh, Revelation chapter 2 or 3. I think the church of Thyatira. Remember, they were were the married church. They married themselves with the country, with the state. Took on their views. Took on. So that did happen. Now, what happens when a church becomes a state church? Anyone know in history what happened in Germany? Hitler. The state pays the pastors. You think that could be a problem? I mean, the state's not even paying pastors right now. They're just saying like, you know, if you don't mess with, if you don't say anything that we don't like, you can keep your tax exemption, which is a joke. Which do you see how that has really hindered me at all? Not at all. That's why the church never talked about politics. The church never would say anything that the state might not like. That happened in World War II. That also happened in this day. It was a state church. The pastors were on the payroll of the government and became very politically correct. I I put it that way. You think that could happen? It did happen. Have we seen history repeat itself? Yes. Yes. It would be hard for them to say, now think about this, do you think it would be hard when it's a state-ran church and they can kill you if they don't like what you say? That you teach eschatology in this way, that that you say Jesus is coming back to rid the world of its evil rulers. How well do you think that's going to go over? Hey, guess what? Jesus is coming back and he's going to run over all of you, just like it said in the book of Daniel. just like it shows in Revelation. So when they're like, so how do you interpret this? Um, Well, you know, this is really hard to understand stuff. It's very poetic. It's very allegorical. You following me? It's much easier to say that prophecy is allegorical. Now, here's something cool that happens in history. In, In history... Now, that happened during, that was during the Catholic Church age for years and years and years and years. The Reformation did a great job in soteriology, which is the, the study of salvation. The Reformation did an amazing job. People were burned at the stake standing on salvation comes by faith alone, not by works. But they didn't do squat with eschatology. It all stayed the same. And that's why I believe you have still to this day, most of the church is all millennial. I'm not saying us as a church, but most of the church on the scale is all millennial. What I just read to you, and this is his- history, did happen. Do you think that is a possibility of why there was pre-tribulational teaching? There was, millennium hasn't happened yet. There was that teaching, and then a state-ran church comes in, and uh, we may need to change some things. So I would show you already, that, and, and I'm not, I will tell you the whole truth. There was Mid-tribulation teaching also that happened early on. Not originally from Paul. There was confusion. Then, but from that all the way on, there was pre-tribulational teaching. And then it picks back up again in the 1800s or late 1700s, 1800s. Well, I wonder why. It's not that hard to understand when the whole church went to a state church and it was all taught. All millennialism was the only way. And that prophecy is allegorical. But like I've been telling you, all the prophecy that's ever been prophesied happened how? Just like the Bible said. It happened every single time, just like the Bible said. And I'm just foolish enough to believe that he hasn't changed his mind on what he says and what he means. I truly believe that he says what he means and he means what he says. And I believe there's a millennium to come. And it's after it's after the church is raptured. It's after the Daniel's 70th week. It's after Jesus returns. It's after the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's what the Bible teaches. Now, there's lots of different thoughts on that. And it doesn't mean that you can't be saved, that we're not going to heaven. You just might be surprised, or maybe I'm going to be surprised. But I think I've shown you I've been trying to show you that there's some pretty, pretty huge differences. Have you seen the differences between Luke 21, Matthew 24? Yes. Can you see that there's very similar? Like, here's your section of signs. Jesus called the beginning of sorrows. Luke says, before these signs, this stuff's gonna happen. What? Jerusalem's gonna get surrounded. Look for that. Look for the armies coming surrounding Jerusalem. Jesus says in Matthew 24, after these signs, Look for what? Abomination of desolation. I mean, if you don't see anything else, please see that. I think it's interesting so that we don't get confused that they're two separate things, that one's written, one is talked about in public, in the temple, in the morning or early afternoon, with a large group of people. The other one is spoken of privately on the Mount of Olivet. I think it's safe to say these are not the same. Sometimes I'm wanting to harmonize the Bible, and there's a lot of harmony. A lot of commentators have just harmonized this and said this is the same event. Now, Mark 13 and Matthew 24 are. Luke 21 is not. I don't believe, because I think there's some large chunks missing. Very specifically, things said differently. Did AD 70 happen? Yes. Was the temple destroyed? Yes. Did the abomination of desolation, and I know there's different thoughts on that, but in that destruction, for one, I'm going to tell you, they were caught off guard. They did not want to burn the temple down. It happened. They weren't planning for that. So they didn't have time to be like, oh, shoot, let's, let's make a desolation happen in the temple. Let's set up, let's set up some idols and start worshiping them. The place got on fire, and it wasn't supposed to happen from their generals. And then they did exactly do what Jesus said they were going to do. They tore every brick apart to get the gold out of it. You think they would have, like, if they were just wanting to tear the, the, the place apart, and they would have been like, hey, let's set it on fire and make a complete mess where we'll have to sit there and, like, tear off every single brick and get the gold apart. Am I making sense? Who knows where I'm at in my notes? There's no major signs for the rapture. I want you to also see that as we keep going through. There's no major signs. There is some things that they're like Jesus is saying, like you should be able to tell by when you see a tree beginning to bud, you know, springtime, summer's going to come. Like there's some things that we're going to look at next week and weeks to come that um, aren't really cosmic signs, like things that Timothy, Paul told Timothy um, to the churches, you know, people will be lovers of themselves. You know, Well, we'll start looking at some of those things probably next week. And... The, the, the majority of the signs are for the, the return of Christ, the second coming. And that's prophesied about 1,500 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a pretty big event. We'll just say that. How many of you guys are ready and looking forward to it? How many think that we should listen to Jesus and be Ready? Now, if you know, like, and here's why I'm just going to give this one out there for free, a mid-trip position. If I if I'm a mid-trip person, then I have to de- deny eminence because I know that when the the abomination of desolation happens, we out. And I can know when that treaty starts with the with the um, Antichrist. The three and a half year mid-trip position starts. You follow me? Says Daniel. Says he will make a treaty with Israel. He'll make a treaty, a covenant. And then three and a half years in, he's going to violate the covenant. So I can be just waiting for that treaty. All right, good. Three and a half years, we out. I don't need to be ready. Jesus teaches you better be ready. You better. It's imminent. Like you don't know the day or the hour. Watch and be and pray. But he also says in Luke's account you're going to have to you're not going to have to go through that it's not for you that tribulation time is not mentioned in luke pretty interesting i find i find a lot of joy in that that it, it's actually consistent with everything that we've went through to this point is it not before and after the signs oh could you put the I never did put that up there. You guys want to take pictures of that? You look at the before. The middle there is wars, famines, earthquakes. So we just say the middle of that is the beginning of sorrows, those signs. The other side of that is abomination of desolation. After that, great tribulation, time of Jacob's trouble. That's Matthew 24, Luke 21. See, those signs up there is after. All that happens after the middle signs. This happens before. Fall of Jerusalem. The seven letters of the church. You could put a whole nother bar on the end of that and put the big cosmic signs. (laughs) I'm sorry it's all fuzzy. That was as good as I can get it. I don't even know what I'm doing next service. What a joke. Did you guys understand? Okay, that's all I care. I just, there's so much in my head, and trying to get it out to you guys at times is like, I forget sometimes you're not in my head with me, which nobody else wants to be there, believe me. <laughs> Why don't you stand and so I can pray for you? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, that you want us to know He told us to watch and pay attention that no one would deceive you. So, Lord, we don't want to be deceived. We want the truth. And I know every single person in this building wants that. Lord, thank you for showing us ahead of time what's going to happen so we can be ready. Lord, I thank you that uh, that fall of Jerusalem happened just like he said it was in AD 70. And, Lord, I believe what's coming in Matthew 24 going to happen just like you said. And just like we read in the sixth chapter of Revelation, it's going to happen just like you said. Lord, I pray, Lord, that none of us would be counted as an earth dweller. Lord, that we would not put our faith and our trust in this place, but that we put our faith and our trust in you. We thank you, Lord, that you've come to set us free. You've come to destroy our past and give us an entirely new creation. New thoughts, new mind, new wills, new emotions, new DNA. (laughs) We have your DNA. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, everyone on the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would teach and make clear whatever I did not make clear. Lord, I praise you and thank you, Lord, that you are in control of all of this. And Lord, that we can rest and see and know that spring is here, summer's coming. Lord, I believe that that the, the harvest is ripe. Lord, help us be about our Father's business. Help us go out and reap that harvest and speak the truth in love and draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You are dismissed.
1: Praise be the weapon. ourselves to you, Father. Every lie of the enemy must stand underneath our foot. Every lie must be under our foot this morning, God, in the truth of who you are.
0: many in the church today and say, I've been struggling with something this week, or maybe it's been a couple weeks. You guys keep playing. We're not going to take announcements today. We'll do that at the end or something. Um, you can say, I, I'm in need of a touch by, from the Lord. I need God to deliver me from something. If that's you, lift your hands up. It could be spiritual. It could be emotional. It would be physical. We serve the great I am. He's the great I can. Amen, yeah. there's nothing impossible for him. It says every one of his promises are yes and amen. He has offered healing to us, he was beaten and bruised. He went to a cross that says, by his stripes we are healed. Peter looking back said, by his stripes we were healed. Amen, so that has already been provided for. Those of you who don't have your hands up, look around. You're gonna find someone that has their hands up. I want you to be the body of Christ and go pray for them, lay hands on them. Let the Holy Spirit move you. the very least, ask them, what do you need healing from? If it's something emotional, then you say, in the name of Jesus, be healed with authority. The authority that he's given you. You don't have to pray for 10 minutes. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, great. But just speak to whatever it is and tell it as if it isn't. So you can bring the kingdom of God to it. You say, in the name of Jesus, I bind that sickness in Jesus' name and I loose healing. Or in the name of Jesus, I bind depression and I lose peace of mind. And you declare over them the mind of Christ. Amen. And then let the Holy Spirit go from there. Keep worshiping. Thank you, Lord. you I know we just spent quite a time in worship, but I just feel, why don't you just spend some time? You guys just don't even really sing anything, just play softly like you are. I just want you to open up your hands and just listen. I believe the Lord wants to speak some things to you. Be still and know that He's God. Sometimes we need to, we can be a very rambunctious group. We can, and I love to shout our praises and worship and dance and sing with all of our heart. There's also a time to be still. There's a time to be quiet. There's a time to just receive and be in his presence. Why don't you turn to someone close by and say, welcome. It's good to see you. Amen. We could have the children come up. Kids, why don't, why don't you guys go ahead and come up. Children come up that are going to go to children's church. I got the announcements. Even if you're a kid, that means you too. I'm just saying politely, children Donnie, you might fit. You could probably sneak off in there for a little while if you took off those glasses. Hey, birthday boy, I heard that you turned 10. You guys, uh, how about a birthday song for this big old 10-year-old, huh? (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Liam. Happy birthday to you. All right. All right. All right. Let's, uh, you would street, uh, just stretch forth your hands. Let's pray over these awesome kids. Amen. Lord, we thank you for these children. We thank you, God, the Lord, that you love them. And Lord, you actually are so wise. You knew when they were going to be birthed in this earth. And Lord, so many people are saying, man, I feel bad for these kids. I feel bad for this world. (laughs) Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you knew exactly what you were doing, that you know exactly every hair on their head you knew when they would be conceived, you knew, and you've got a plan for each one of them to come be light bearers in this earth. And Lord, if there's ever been a time and a need for light, it is today. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would let their light shine so bright before men, they would see their good deeds and they would all bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, keep them protected. Lord, we pray protection and a hedge around about them. That the enemy could not penetrate. Lord, that they would go forth and be young missionaries, young prophets, young evangelists, young pastors, young teachers, young apostles. Lord, that they would go all around the world, Lord, and preach the gospel and lead people to Christ in their elementary school. Lord, in their junior high schools, Lord, as they get older, Lord, We thank you, Lord, in their families, in their homes. They would represent you well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you, teachers. All right. Um, As you can tell, we're doing things a little different today. I just said I'll do announcements while we're transitioning. Um, Next week, office will be closed. Uh, we are going to be doing a staff retreat. I'm going to pour into the pastors and our uh, men's and women's leader. Uh, we haven't done anything like that for quite some time. And after this last couple of years, I believe it is time. Amen. What do you think? We need to pour into them. Amen. So I'm going to pour into them so they can pour out into you. That's the plan. Um, so if you have any major concerns or problems, you can always text or call me. I don't know if I'm going to have service where I'm at. So if I don't return your call, um, don't get mad or upset. It's probably because I'm out of service. And when I have service, I'll get back to you, okay? You can always leave a message at the church. Um, We have an answering machine, and you can direct it to wherever they need to go. Amen? All right.